0: Welcome to Discussions of Music, Healing, and Consciousness with your hosts Chris Noble and Bill Paratzman. This episode is a real grab bag. We explore monofrequencies one more time, tour an ancient Maltese hypoacoustic site, review some of the evidence for things such as sound levitation, touch on extraterrestrials and the music of the spheres, and end with a heartfelt plea to take the short but difficult journey from what our heads think to what and how our hearts hear one another. We'll be talking about all that and much, much more, as always in these open conversations, here on Discussions of Music, Healing, and Consciousness. (laughs) I always, whenever I hit that button, man, I feel like I'm just adding to the noise. I've got to get over that.
1: (laughs) what do you what do you mean you're adding to the noise when you well record, i mean like... this is
0: a podcast has an intention all of that but there is so much out there i mean there's what 30 million podcasts and hundred thousand yeah, books are dropping you know, every week
1: <laughs> even if you've got an audience of like 50 to 100 people let's say which is pretty realistic i would say yeah. it's not crazy it's not crazy um it's that's still a solid group of people if you see a 50 or 100 people in a room yeah um and all like Clearly interested in listening. Uh, yeah. I, that that's even that's pretty that's imp- impactful, actually. Yeah, yeah, I
0: agree. I do agree. You know, I, so I'm I I don't, I'm fine with that. It's it's the the competition factor. It's like if there's important stuff, why are we all competing for it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if anything, maybe we're also in a way like the old models competition, of course. But now it's like, well, if we all just follow the the topics and things we're passionate about, we'll all find ourselves in really interesting niches. Yeah. You know, like there's not a ton of podcasts doing music healing and consciousness.
0: That's true. I'll just
1: say, you
0: yes, know. It's true.
1: Um, and there's not many doing ancient mysteries on earth that I'm finding right now. And everyone I've, I find the most hilarious niches. There's um, there's just right. so many niches out there you would just never know about, but then you discover them. And of course you look and there's like, wow, there's a whole little community here. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, somebody's doing something on this.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, I had something I wanted to um maybe go over today for the show. I I came across through my ancient mysteries on Earth research, just had a podcast uh, guest on. He brought up something that I had kind of heard a little bit about, but
0: is this uh, Robert Edward Grant?
1: No, but uh, man, I will have him on my podcast one yeah, day. He sounds he pretty cool. Is awesome. I love 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 his work. Um, so no, as you were but... saying, sorry. No, so this is about the uh, curiosity behind 110 hertz. Um, right. They're calling it the holy frequency. And it's found in some of these ancient temples, specifically uh, all around the world, actually. There's a whole branch of archaeology now called archaeoacoustics. It's really interesting. And they're, the last couple of years, they have this annual symposium. And one of the big things they've been going over now the last couple of years is this 110 hertz phenomenon okay and it's so so i'll give you the example of what's the most dramatic but they're 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 recording this frequency around uh temples all around the world uh and some of these temples are in caves underground and the most famous one right now is this unesco heritage site in malta it's a subterranean temple in malta and it's actually one of the oldest if not the oldest on the planet at least currently recorded Uh, It's about five thousand years old, and it's uh, it's basically what the heck is it called? It's called um, Malta's hypogeum and hypogeum Hal Safliani, and it's it's (laughs) quite a it's quite a complex underground, um, let's just say, facility of some kind, and there's there's really interesting acoustic. Properties. One is that they can record the frequency of 110 hertz without anything being played inside that temple. It's like an unaudible way of recording frequency and 110 hertz seems to come up all the time. But then of course, but then when they have male voices chanting, it activates this 110 Hertz frequency. And if that's not interesting enough, and I, there are some things I can read up on in a second that are like si- significant, properties of 110 hertz on the brain but if that's not crazy enough um there's a or there's a room called the oracle chamber inside this particular temple in malta and if you stand in the correct space and you speak your voice will echo throughout the entire complex nice um in a really crazy way where you can hear this voice coming from it feels like almost everywhere like an ancient pa system really really curious And people that are in these uh, structures, and specifically this one in Malta, will report really um, very interesting uh, transformational sort of experiences. And a lot of the testimonials are coming from scientists and, you know, material-minded people, not at all. These aren't shamans. These aren't, you know what I mean, people that are accustomed to these frequencies, perhaps. These are probably very much skeptical people that are, are reporting mystical spiritual experiences when experiencing this, this 110 Hertz. Um, So it's pretty interesting and like universities and like a lot of peer reviewed stuff has been done on this. And um, one of the universities, I think in uh, the U S was at UCLA, I think as well. Um, They did this EEG experiment where they put these different people under brain scans. And uh, basically I think played 110 Hertz through some speakers at them. And they they found activity in the prefrontal cortex that it shifted quite significantly. And that results basically in this deactivation of the language center and sort of temporary shifting from left to right-sided dominance. And they said that this didn't happen with any other frequencies, only 110 hertz, almost like it could um, switch off your analytical brain and switch on your spiritual brain in a way, yeah. like kind of just boom. Like turning you on, like a switch almost. Yeah. Uh, and so almost opening up your creative side, your right brain. And uh yeah, they kind of just kind of they 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 sort of describe this frequency as turning as switching something on. Uh and I can go into more detail in a sec, but I just wanted to like even just bring that up to you, Bill, and get your thoughts on this. Like, um, have you heard anything about this frequency? I hadn't heard anything about this. So no,
0: I I mean it's it doesn't make any any um uh, it's it's not surprising to me. I think maybe what you and I should do is invent a frequency, <laughs> right? Because people are so fascinated by monotone stuff. 110, which is really intriguing to me, is actually uh, A1. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure if there's gonna, if this is going to work now. Can you hear A1? Yeah. There's 110 people, which is... Um, Mm. which is if you look at it it's it's 440 divided by four so it's this one down one two three octaves Now i'd be
1: curious i'd be curious if your piano is tuned to 432 hertz concert pitch right now and then i know so i would be curious as to what it is with 432 what note it would be maybe it'd be i guess an a flat or an a A sharp A,
0: a little a little off.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just, I'm just curious. I, yeah, I, I don't know.
0: I mean, 432, um, it would be, um, well, if you take 432, divide by 4. So 440, 110, it would be a, a few hertz less. And it's, non, um, it's not linear. It's not like no. binaural beats. So it's exponential. Yeah. So you have to add a few clicks or subtract a few clicks. But um, if, this, if 110 is a big deal, it's a note that happens a lot in 440 tuning.
1: So then it, it almost contradicts, not contradicts, but it shows a something that could potentially be a positive outcome of 440 that we haven't considered, which is really interesting, maybe. But what's well, really curious-
0: 528 is, I mean, it's only five clicks away from, from C, one, two, three, four, C5. Five. 528 is only a few clicks higher than that, that's 523 right if you're tuned right to it's 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 even lower if you're tuned to 432 right but that's true um so these these frequencies i hate to call them frequencies man because a frequency implies that it's a pure pure sine wave but these right. tones that we yeah. hear 528 110 um, these tones are uh they're ubiquitous they exist everywhere and yeah. isolating them in this way is very curious to me. I'm, I'm, um, I'm not skeptical because I believe that sound affects us. But it's like people, once you discover dopamine, all of us like, well, if I take a bunch of dopamine, I'm going to be real happy, right? Will, like, wait, yeah. wait, i yeah. out, right? It, it's yeah. like I take a bunch of mushrooms, I'm going to, well, no, wait a minute. There's an interaction here. And other things are required in order to make like ayahuasca work. You've got to have a, whatever it's called. You've got to have some an inhibitor to make the ayahuasca uh, version of DMT take hold. It's got to have that that balance. Like,
1: hundred percent.
0: You know, just listening to a single tone for a long time, <laughs> a single sine wave.
1: It's true. I mean, it drives you know? the absolutely insane. You can't, I can't do that. Um, and you're right. It needs to be combined with other things. And this is what looks like it's happening in these ancient temples, though, yeah, is yeah. that there's an, there's an acoustic space where there's geometry now involved uh, that have to do with uh, acoustic reflection of, of frequencies, right, off these walls. Also, things reflect differently off different substances. And the, the limestone in these caves has a particular reflective quality. And then you add into the extent, um, what would they actually be using them for? And that's just, we can only speculate what they would be used for and one of the obvious things would be it would be chanting uh shaman's chanting so it could have been designed for the human voice it seems to have been designed for the male voice specifically they they did a lot of these experiments uh, with women singing men singing and singing at different frequencies and seeing when the physical temple itself would, would, you know, have those resonant frequencies that, that, that they could pick out that where the, the walls or particular things would vibrate and it would almost activate. Uh, and they would find that it was still, it was more stimulant with the male voice. So it was like, it was designed for something in the male timbre or the tone of a male voice oh. in the frequency range of this 110 Hertz, pretty low note, and, pretty low note. And so very body activating. You know, as well, it's a lower frequency, and you're right, it's a combination of, of of effects. So the experiment they did with 110 hertz isn't the conclusive proof of what this thing did because that experiment was just a frequency, yeah, of 110 hertz in yeah. an isolated laboratory experiment versus the experience of 110 hertz in this temple complex is gonna be different. Just like you said with ayahuasca, you do a particular version of it in some different way, different location, different shaman, di- like you're going to have a very different experience, uh, just like anything else. So, yeah, yeah you're right. Really important. important. Um, you got to consider that.
0: I'm talking tomorrow to somebody who's an expert on blending psilocybin and MDMA. And oh, amazing. That's like, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> so, but, but you know, there reasons for- so um, in the temple, they would have used a male voice, we can sort of guess. So, um, did they talk at all about harmonics and overtones and the other things that would have been? Did the temple create them or amplify the harmonics, or did they? They don't even go into
1: that. They don't go into the harmonics, but if if we want to do a deeper dive, they definitely would have gone into the harmonics during um, this archaeo conference. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, this is like something you know we can go into more detail. They they definitely did at this conference. But what it says in the article I'm reading here, which is on ancientorigins.net. Um, good website for a lot of ancient civilization stuff, if anyone's interested. They said that um, the structure seemed to... So here the results revealed that a male human voice can stimulate the resonance of the structure at two frequencies, 114 hertz and somewhere from 68 to 70 hertz. And they used a horn and conch shell to create some resonance, but that didn't seem to work at all. However, a friction drum produced low resonance. And that seemed to have more interaction. Increasingly, a shamanic natural skin hoop drum created a very strong stimulation of resonance by harmonics of the drum at 114 hertz. So, I mean, we're obviously going over to other frequencies here now. Um, And the response was the same that produced the male singing voice. And then the female voice didn't produce the same effect, which is really interesting. So, um, yeah, they don't really mention the harmonics too much here. They just mentioned the other instruments and things that stimulate stimulants that were used in this um, chamber.
0: Well, there was, so some instruments were friendlier in the space than others. Yes, exactly. But the space might have been designed for a specific kind of instrument, whatever it was.
1: Feels like a drum seemed to have the best. Um, yeah. So it's, and,
0: and then it, w- where they come. The drum is interesting Go because ahead. it makes an in- an instantly decaying pitch. So there's yeah, lots if, of yeah. there's lots of space. In a drum beat, very true. So you can you can really catch the echo if you want to say that that way, you know.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, it would echo a lot more than a, a sustaining voice. Ah, uh, would, yeah, would yeah, echo yeah. very very differently than a, you know, like a big a, a quick hit of a drum, especially a big low drum uh, seems to be the one that uh, like a kick drum kind of you know big floor tom or timpani mm-hmm. drum would I, I've be. I've got
0: something like that here, like this
1: exactly like that would probably have more of a of a resonance so imagine that in this this subterranean temple limestone walls and uh, the to for the listening audience here it's got these really interesting geometric chambers um different rectangular sort of uh, walls and sitting areas a very interesting design so you can imagine what that would sound like inside there plus when it's being broadcasted from this supposed oracle room, um, it echoes everywhere throughout the chamber. So it's again like a a surround sound concert. (laughs) Ancient tech, you know?
0: So it must be, um, so, you know, we like to put on our headphones. I wonder if there was any uh, consideration of what we would call binaural beats in that space, Mm. because the idea of having a very good acoustic space allows you to hear, uh, in stereo, actually, you know, without the need for headphones, so the the acoustic spaces of old were designed that way, so that you could hear clearly. Like a Tibetan b- bowl, for example, makes binaural mm-hmm. beats, which you can hear clearly, provided that you have enough uh, echo chamber around you to be able to hear it. Right. So, so doing that in a cave, for example, would be a good thing, because then you'd have that that presence. I guess is what we like to say around you.
1: Hmm. Yeah. It's Interesting, um, apparently, the if if not so, I mean, this I'm saying 110 hertz, I'm seeing 111 hertz, so don't quote me, folks, on this exact number here that we're talking about. It could be 110, maybe it's 111. I'm seeing also articles that talk about the same thing, and they're measuring at 111, so clearly, this is still a new area of research. But they said they're saying that, um, when they go into this area of 111 hertz, they're finding that um that the relation to the sound and the human is um sorry i'm looking at basically apparently pythagoras was talking about this as well Mm. and he actually created a musical scale starting with the note a that you just said is 110 hertz right yeah and uh that a note resonates at 111 hertz so it's like a 432 concert pitch tuning but now going down to 11 111 hertz or
0: something i mean I, I, I'm laughing because ugh, for the last couple of weeks I've taken a deep dive on this stuff. And the the result of all that is that I found a way where on a website you can convert any song to any tuning that you want.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: <laughs> so if you've got stuff that you know is in 440, you can run it through the system and it'll convert it to any any tuning center that you want, you want 528. Well, that's actually pretty close to 440, mm-hmm. it's like five clicks away from 440. So uh, it'll redo all your songs 528 hertz, you upload them, it gives you the stuff back tuned to 528. Right? Uh, you can do that mm-hmm. 432. Uh, you could probably do it with 110, which means it would be like one click higher than a one 111. You could do it one click higher than a 110. So um, you know, go for it, people. I'll post it in the, in the show notes. You can convert all your music to whatever tonal center that you want. But here's the thing, Chris. This is, this is the thing that continues to blow me away. If 528 is so good for us, why do people make 528 hertz music that has so many other frequencies in it in addition to 528? If 528 was a thing, we should just be sitting around listening to a 528 hertz sine wave.
1: Well, maybe it's like uh, in food, right? You know, you have certain ingredients that are good for you, but you like to mix them together to make a meal of something. I I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm speculating completely right now.
0: What's the fascination here? Because, you know, no (laughs) music. Once you say music, you've identified the fact that it has several things. It's got a variation in pitch or tone. It's got a variation in rhythm. And it includes silence.
1: Well, I think what we're...
0: To make music, right? 100%.
1: I think what we're tapping maybe into, though, is the complexity of what music slash sound, audible sound, at least, let's just go to audible sound and music, what the true potential of those things can be, meaning far beyond entertainment and easy listening. We're talking, it can change your physiology, your emotional situation, your mental state, and so on and so forth. And it's probably what we're doing is just looking into the insanely complex area of sound and music, uh, let's say manipulation for the human psyche, consciousness, body, whatever, because it's so, I'm sure it's so complex and it's probably, there's probably general rules just like with other things. And there's probably very individual based things where only one person in the world might experience this with this particular frequency and so on and so forth, just like so many other things in life, right? Right.
0: I, I completely agree. It's, it's as if we'd gone to the plateau of Giza and there was nothing there. And somebody saw a little <laughs> tiny point of a rock sticking up and started to excavate and discovered that below that tiny point of a rock, there was this sort of triangular thing and kept excavating. Mm. And thousands of years later, they'd gotten all the way down you know, and discovered the, the great pyramids of Giza. It's like, that's our knowledge of music right now. We're looking at mm-hmm. the tiny top of the pyramid sticking up through this immense sea of sand. And we're approaching it as if that's what matters, is the tiny point, right? Five hundred twenty-eight, you know, forty hertz, one hertz. And you know what? That's cool. But you kind of need to excavate the whole pyramid and figure out what the whole thing looks like before you can get some sense of what you've really got.
1: One hundred percent. It's it's very complex, and
0: incredibly complex. Not. not Hey, go yeah. people, find out something about every audible sound, every every measurable frequency, every hertz that you can has probably got a good effect on us. And over yeah. how, how many of them can we hear from 20 to 20,000 hertz? So there's going to be like uh, almost 20,000 different frequencies that we can hear that require research right now, people. And well, that's hey, just what we can hear. No. <laughs> and that's yeah. just what we can hear, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're not. we're not talking about the Schumann resonance, which we can't hear, and uh, a bunch of other stuff that we can't hear that's really good for us.
1: 100%. You know, we I there's there's levitation technologies with sound, oh right? Oh gosh, yes. There's these uh, monks so in Tibet. Cool. That
0: that site is just like, oh, that levitating it's, sound levitation thing, that's so cool. cool. It's, it's just so
1: way. it it's, it looks like sci-fi science fiction because yeah, it just yeah. it just reminds us of so many movies that we've seen and here it is in real life. And nice. this is what apparently a lot of um, not so long ago, even uh 50, 100 years ago, um, some people saw and documented in the Tibetan, uh, Himalayan mountains, these Tibetan monks that were vibrating rock with these a whole array of instruments. Basically, they would position and angle a, a bunch of a, a ton of instruments with holes cut out of them, very, very specific, like so the size of the drums, the size of the trumpets, very, very particular, aimed in a particular way at a particular distance. Like this is not throwing. You know, some crap at the wall and seeing what sticks here. No, no, this is a very precise operation with sound and instruments to levitate things. So, once again, we're just scratching the surface of what uh, can be used with sound and music. Uh, it's, I think it's infinite, literally. Yeah, we can I, do it I, anything. I believe it
0: completely. Because everything in this vibrating universe is making a sound. Correct. Right? Whether mm-hmm. or not we can hear it. And, uh, and what a cool thing that would be to be able to hear that. <laughs> I'm, there's a, a, an incredible composition that uses, I'm sure, many thousands of frequencies at once, but it's this swirling sound, which to me is like the music of the spheres. Mm. And no one of them is predominant. They're all distinct. You can actually tune in to any part of it and hear it, but they're all there. And it is this, um, it's this cosmic, almost uh, audible assault but it gets into you, <laughs> right? It, it gets into you. And I'll say it because, you know, you know me, Mr. <laughs> Non-Mono Frequency Bill. I need it all. I feel yeah. like I need it all. Like if I had a, a dial that I could just isolate at one frequency, it would be missing its background in a way. You know, it would be like watching a movie through a pinhole camera or something. You know, we can just see one pixel on the screen and that's your experience of avatar or whatever, right? You've missed- Just,
1: just not doing it.
0: <laughs> it's not enough, right? And, um, And I love that. So, hey, pull it apart, but it would be awfully boring. Although, you know me, I'm the one who's going to release the 528 hertz album with 60 minutes of one sine wave, 528 hertz. (laughs) Right? This this is this is the ultimate healing tone, right? Bang! And now you've told me about another one, 110, 112. Hey, I'm going to have a, my next my recording career is assured, man.
1: Yeah. Here I go. Got twenty thousand songs ready to go. Twenty
0: thousand songs ready to go, and uh, you know put a little meditative voiceover in there and some nice swirling imagery and pretty soon you know i can build an audience of people who are are really into 528 or 114 (laughs) or whatever the particular thing right i mean i'm being facetious here but if if it's that good for us you know what i'm saying if it's that good uh, it's. it i'm sure somebody's already done this right and yeah. it it also gives me an idea too because now I can take all the music that I've that I've written and re release re release it in any <laughs> particular you know Hertz designation that people want
1: instead of the remastered version it's the oh, retuned it's, it's the version the retuned
0: version yeah pick yeah. your tuning in fact it'd be nice if you could do that in real time
1: I uh, you were saying earlier about um, music of the spheres and uh, the sounds of the universe right the sounds of the cosmos yeah. in a way what would that what would that sound like and i uh i've really gotten into this fascinating youtube channel recently called uh the other side ndes near-death experiences oh, and it's cool. basically uh oh, it's so cool it's um really well done they basically interviewed these people on zoom uh all just experiencers of near-death experiences and they uh cut it down nicely about 10-15 minutes long and uh Anyway, I was binging them, just watching one after another after another <laughs> over the weekend, Sweet. Uh, these uh, near-death experiences. And one of the guys that had them, there's some beautiful commonalities, of course, that you find in these. But one of the, um, not not a commonality, but one of the really interesting experiences this guy had was he was floating in outer space uh, at one point. He was able to move all over the place with his consciousness at his own will. And he was with a guide of sorts, uh, of the, a spirit guide was with him. And he's like, I want to go into this. I want to go into space and I just want to look at planet earth or Gaia as his spirit had instructed him. That's the name of your planet is Gaia. He's, he's like, Oh, great. Thanks. And so he zooms out, looks at planet earth and just sees this beautiful, um, of course, uh, beautiful living organism that's earth. And he saw all these other frequencies emanating from the earth that we oh, can't yeah. see with the naked eye, yeah. but his consciousness could see, and he could see like red, red, a, a green yellow uh, ultraviolet all these different colors emanating from the earth and then he turned around and looked out the, at the rest of the cosmos and just heard this amazing sort of sound wash over him and he, he explained it like it was like nine or ten bells that were rung but not the initial attack or the hit of the bell but the resonant after you know how the ringing after a bell is, yes. is hit yes. it's kind of like it's whoa, 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 whoa. it's more like that sound And it sounded like nine or 10 of these bells sort of vibrating in these different harmonic frequencies together. And to the me, he didn't, this guy explaining the story, he didn't know about the music of the spheres, but the way he described the frequencies and the different, there was only maybe nine or 10 of these harmonic um, frequencies that sounded like these bells that he could hear representing the cosmos. And I was wondering, was he hearing the music of the spheres maybe in this out of body state perhaps, or what, like, what was his consciousness hearing as those bell sounds out in space? You know, I don't know. Um, I wonder
0: how we hear, um, you know, when
1: and, you're not in your body.
0: Yeah. When we don't have yeah. the ears <laughs> Me too. available.
1: That's what he was asking uh, in the experience too. Cause he's like, okay, well I'm moving, but I don't have a body to move, but I can move. Okay. I can hear, I don't have ears to hear but I can hear what we would know as sound. So what's going on there? I don't think he could touch or feel much, but maybe he could. I don't know. It, it's interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating. A uh, YouTube channel for any, uh, check it out, everyone listening. It's a good one.
0: Could I play something like that A recording that I found that, that you're reminding me of? Of course. I'm not sure if we're going to get real great fidelity on this but let me give it a try because it's got that sort of pulsing but no no beginning tone ending tone okay and it it feels like that's kind of what he might have been saying i don't know how i see what you think i'll just great um here i'll bring it up this is
1: Yeah. That's good.
0: It's got that kind of swirl to it. Um, for people, if you're listening, it's called Ferrum, F E R R U M, by a guy whose name I can't pronounce. <laughs> so I'll Where'd put get... it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, but where is that on YouTube? <laughs> it's a Spotify. Spotify. Uh, Ferrum? But Ferrum, it's captivated me. There are a lot of songs called Ferrum on, on Spotify. okay. Uh, so I'll throw this one out there. Um, but it's captivated me because of that non-melodic sense yes. of just tones orbiting around me in in audible space.
1: But it's har- it's harmonic in a sense that it's not a bunch of dissonant tones. Like they sound, right. they would be in what we would consider the same key, I would think. Yeah. Uh, you, or at least something that's... tuned you know I mean? similarly... Right, right. I mean, so that's what one, I find interesting.
0: They're congruent,
1: yeah, so like they yeah. flow
0: out of each other in a way that isn't um dissonant. I'm trying to say, they, words that yeah, aren't music words, right? <laughs> they sound but good together,
1: <laughs> they sound good together, is what I'm yeah. trying to say. And yeah. also, what I can hear is there's a circular pattern that you're mentioning. Would that you know, that that to me sounds like a spiral galaxy, sounds like, you yes, know, a, yes. the vortexing uh, mathematics, the Fibonacci mathematics of a spiral galaxy, you know. In the, in the
0: headphones, I don't hear it moving around me spatially, but I do hear it sort of drawing my attention from left to right. Kind of
1: like phasing in, phasing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But I don't think they did any sort of 4D, I guess is the term we're using for that now. Right, yeah. But it's it's captivating, and it's you know it's sixteen minutes and thirteen seconds long. It's a long experience, and for me, <laughs> it's just transcendent. You know, I'd rather like, listen to that than yeah. you know. Well, maybe if Bach was playing himself, I'd be there. But you know,
1: I uh, I feel I feel those those are certain tracks where I feel immediately like I, I'm lifting out of my body gradually, yes, or not so gradually. It's it's very powerful. I could meditate to that no problem.
0: Right? Yes, I agree. Uh, I feel like that... So I feel like that when I'm listening to your 40 hertz, Chris. Okay. There are certain music that gets into me that way. Not all of it, but if I'm... And I, and I try to come to music... Uh, this is one of those things, if you're listening to this, this is a good practice. When you're ready to listen to music, you prepare for it and actually sit, put on the headphones or whatever, put a nice stereo but give yourself space to be fully present with the music. And that that little practice is sort of my level set so that I know if I'm listening to something and I really want to listen to it, I'm coming to it the same way that I would come to any other thing that I hadn't heard before. Uh, and and that's kind of helpful because I sort of put my prejudices on, on a shelf. You know, whether I like it or not, doesn't matter but I want to be prepared in a similar way because as non-scientific as that is, for me anyway, it lets me know, okay, I'm approaching this music the same way that I would approach anything I hadn't heard before. And even after I've heard it, I still go through the practice of, of disciplining myself. So why am I saying all this? Um, it's very easy to get, oh, I don't like that out of something when you within you know 30 seconds of hearing it, you're ready to turn it off. But if you give yourself the... Uh, permission, maybe, to sit with a piece of music from beginning to end and take it on its own terms without judgment or without any sort of prejudice on your own. stuff. Like, I don't, I don't like listening to rap or death metal or whatever. Well, okay, that's fine. But then test yourself, push yourself a little harder and see if you can. like, See what happens if you allow yourself to be with that music. And it'll be surprising. I guarantee it'll be surprising for you if you've never done it before. Uh, I've had to listen to monotones like that to see. Mm. So when I say that Chris's 40 Hertz music really gets into me, I'm coming with the same sort of presence and preparation. But there was something extra, like your music got, it, it crossed a barrier that other music didn't cross for me. Like a mm. monotone won't cross that barrier for me. I can get it and I can be there and I can, you know, I imagine my brain getting all whatever it, that it does and, and that's nice. But there's a, there's a deeper invitation, I guess, when music reaches you in some way, like really gets into your soul. And that preparation step has helped me surprise myself, actually, around music that I wouldn't have thought that I would get that response, you know, out of this equipment when I listen to so yeah, Chris is for, I, mm. I bring this up all the time, right? But no, it's true. Chris is for, here's music. It really got into me. Now it might not get into the next person down the line, right? And that's totally cool. And somebody else down the line might say, oh yeah, memory. I use, um, you know, I use metal for, for memory. I use hip hop for memory. Um, you know, I can, I, I'm learning the the math tables in fifth grade. You know, I'm, I'm learning my times tables or whatever it is. Or how long, when do you learn those things? Really early, <laughs> right?
1: Who knows now, yeah. And if
0: I wrap them, I can really, I mean, I really, they really go right in there and they stay there. I was like, cool. Okay, mm. great. That's, you know. Amazing. So what is what is this all about? Um, I think I'm just sort of encouraging people to take time with it. You know, if you're like, oh, 432, yeah, who cares? I don't know. Well, there's lots of mathematics that you might want to consider, but put it all aside and sit down with some music that's tuned in 40, 432 hertz and see what it does for you. And there's tons of videos on this, like a guitar player playing the same a piece of music in 440 and in 432 and you can find out for yourself how that really works mm-hmm. and i think that's really crucial right now especially as this explosion of mono frequencies is out there trying to you know captivate us and get our attention mm. you know um uh, but i'll just say it right now people i use all of them
1: they're all tools you know and they give you different uh just like we're talking about ingredients in a recipe, yeah, the, the same ingredient will give you a different outcome when it's combined with other ingredients. And that's what we're talking about here with the monotone, like a single frequency or a series of frequencies mixed together with what we would call music and uh, soundscapes perhaps of nature or whatever else is going on. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I've even experimented with taking some samples from NASA and uh, sometimes they've recorded the sounds of Jupiter and sort of like solar storms. And you're kind of getting back computerized frequencies of kind of sounds like white noise sometimes or uh, wind or a whole bunch of weird stuff going on. And sometimes I'll throw that into a song and I'll just put it low in the mix. And it sounds like it could be a, a calm breeze, but it's actually the sounds of Jupiter and who knows what that's going I just, I like to experiment with that stuff. That's sometimes more in my music. I do that, but I, I know that all of these things matter. All of these things yeah. have impact. Yeah. And it's more like, um, not, I don't want to say Russian roulette, but it's more just this, who the hell knows what some of these things are going to do. And you have to, at this point, we're at that stage where all we can do is experiment and then look at um, how people respond to it afterwards.
0: We have some incredible experts in the room too i mean anybody who's ever written a song has made some choices about what frequencies to include and there's some pretty amazing songs in our world (laughs) you know that have been written Mm -hmm. from from ancient to modern cultural stuff all over the place um drums make a frequency there are i mean talk about a drum solo you can get so spiritual on drums
1: Oh, or, yeah. Or
0: marimba. I mean, th- th- there's some ancient instruments out there. And then, of course, the, the chambers in which they're played, as we talked about with the pyramids and the temple, of which I can't say hypoge, hypoge- hypogeum? hypogeum?
1: Yeah, something like that. Uh, in, in Malta? <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: so there's, there's you know, th- this is an incredible adventure more than anything else. And if you find something that works, I mean, maybe we'll find out that 111 hertz in the temple in Malta was, you know, it fixed an ancient form of COVID that we no longer have. <laughs> or you know, I mean, that it cu- could, it could be that random, right? Yeah. And then there's I mean, the Tibetan monks levitating stuff without any scientific instruments or tools or anything. I mean, they're using like organic stuff to do that. And that, you know, that's remarkable. You got to work a long time if you're a Tibetan monk before you can figure out the natural organic way to levitate stuff using or
1: your or it's given to you from other sources or dot, yes dot. or it could be uh, you know, it could
0: be a download right everybody's could be a download
1: could be uh some uh, intervention from another source <laughs> extraterrestrial or interterrestrial or who the heck knows multidimensional oh man um, there's just what? so many ways to get information
0: we're talking about um, holy uh, geometry sacred geometry I just read uh, how many things we've shot down. Four things in the last two weeks, right? One of them was a balloon. Yeah. The other three have been quote objects. Yeah. Um, two of which they said were cylindrical, and one of which they said was octagonal. Hmm. So, um, what do you think? Are these UFOs?
1: Oh man! Uh, if they're making their way into mainstream media, there's there's usually some kind of an agenda behind it. Because there's so many actual UFOs going on that will never make the light of day. So the ones that do, I always have to question and ask, okay, well, why these ones? Right. Um, and uh, I, I'd say I know, I know there's extraterrestrial life out there. I feel it. I know it. Every part yeah. of me knows that. I think it's arrogant to think we're the only ones in an infinite universe. That's Seriously. been around for billions of years. You know how much time people have had to get sophisticated? Exactly, <laughs> right? right? So, yeah, we're definitely not alone. However, are these UFOs? I don't know. They could be military, advanced military of our own, um, or they could be UFOs. I'm more curious to see how are they, what's their angle? Like what's the angle with these stories? Because if it's actually coming from the extraterrestrials, in my opinion, it's going to be a lot of peace. It's going to be a lot of clean, clean up your act guys, get your planet together, treat, treat, treat each other with love and respect, stop killing each other. Those would likely always be the messages from the extraterrestrials. Uh, if we're going to get things otherwise, the military needs more reasons to expand the military. What a better reason than an extraterrestrial threat, right? And they've been prepping us right. for decades with Hollywood. So um, who knows what's going to be coming. I still think it's positive, no matter what, that we start to get disclosure on extraterrestrials. So I'll take it, although I think they're going to try to spin it into a uh, a threat. So we got to put more money into the military.
0: Oh, yeah. Military industrial complex. Here we come. It's a thing. <laughs> it's yeah. a thing. It's a thing. Yeah.
1: But it'd be really cool. And I've been waiting my whole life for that. And, uh, hey, maybe they could help us answer some of these frequency questions. Seems like they know a lot about frequency and sound. And they may have uh, the uh, there's a really an amazing uh, research uh, rabbit hole, if you want, with the Dogan tribe of West Africa. They're a very old tribe, thousands and thousands of years old. And uh, they're descendants of uh, one of the cultures or one of these uh, civilizations that occupied Egypt at, uh, at a very ancient point. And they take this ancient Egyptian knowledge and then have it in their own culture called the Dogen culture. And they have knowledge of things that they, sh- they simply shouldn't have knowledge of, co- according to modern science. So they know about quantum mechanics and they have for thousands of years. And this has been verified by studies into this tribe. They knew about Sirius, the, the star Sirius. Of course, you can see that with the naked eye. It's one of the, the brightest in the sky. But then they knew about Sirius A, B, and C, all the dwarf stars that are beside Sirius. You cannot see those with the naked eye. Some of those are in the gamma wave spectrum. Where you have to have specific satellite and um, te- telescopic uh, technology to see this. They knew about it. They knew about it for thousands of years. Uh, the list goes on and on as to all this knowledge that they have, and they Every time you ask them, where did they get the knowledge? They say from the uh, interdimensional beings that came from Sirius and gave them this knowledge. And this is not the only tribe that talks about this. So many others around the world talk about star people, things like that, giving them knowledge. So, you know, some of the sound, uh, you know, knowledge in general, did we even come up with it ourselves? I don't know.
0: I think we're maybe so we, maybe we had help. Got to agree with you. We're just, I mean, we're, we're plucking strings, you know, and measuring overtones and getting all hyped up about monofrequencies. And that's just, there's there's so much more richness behind that. There has to be. Yeah. I mean, here we are. We've been talking about, you know, frequency and toning and stuff for, what, four weeks now, or four episodes. And uh, we have yet to really take a dive into harmonics and overtones and all of that stuff. And um, and that's that's organic. I mean, that's that's stuff we can test here, like, with our basic rudimentary... It almost like sticks and stones kind of approach to music mm-hmm. at this point. Even with the you know, frequency generators and the transpositional stuff that's out there, it's still just the tip of the iceberg. Oh yeah. And so go Dogans. I, I love the fact that uh, it's West Africa because that's the home of the banjo.
1: Oh, I heard about that. Right? Yeah. What a yeah, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, this is like way off the track here, but um, do you know who Bela Fleck is, that banjo player, American banjo no. player? He's he's at the top. I mean, if you can be at the top of the banjo game, that's him. It's like that's, Chris Teeley is the top wow. of the mandolin game. Bela Fleck is okay. the top. And um, so we wanted to know about where the banjo came from and discover its origins. So we took a documentary crew to West Africa. They went to actually West and East. And they discovered indigenous banjos. Like The, the banjo was invented in Africa. Oh, wow. And he plays along with these ancient musical traditions, who are virtuosos in their own right. Mm. So he's playing along with them, and you can watch him change. It's a fantastic thing, and it's called Throw Down Your Heart. Um, you can see it on, on YouTube. Beautiful. Bela Fleck, Throw Down Your Heart. I'll, I'll, I can link that in. But um, I, I wanted to do a plug for, for you and what you're doing here, because uh, by the time this episode airs, uh, we'll, always, we'll be weeks down the road. But Chris is doing a thing. Uh, you can catch his YouTube channel, Ancient Mysteries Unearthed. And I get to attend in a couple of days, a webinar that you put together, right? So tell us a little bit about that, because this is all like tied together with your music interest. And that's fascinating to me.
1: Thanks, Bill. It's been years trying to tie all this stuff together for myself in general. So it's nice that they can start to uh, compliment each other. This is a webinar um, that I'm going to be doing more often, I think for the spring and into the summer of this year, 2023. I will be doing these. These might end up becoming more exclusive webinars eventually as our community grows. But for now, they're open to anybody. And each month we'll meet and uh, basically just a whole bunch of people that are interested in the alternative history and the ancient mysteries, all the ancient wisdom, and all the stuff that uh, surrounds history and specifically the mysteries of history. And there's so many more mysteries than facts. And we just get taught all the supposed facts that or arguably facts anyway and uh, we, we like to basically explore all of the other stories behind who we are as a species what that implies to us today of course too and how to integrate that wisdom into the present so this webinar is going to be about connecting a bunch of people kind of like a mix and mingle you know meet and greet and everyone's going to get a chance to share a little bit about their journey And uh, usually, this is a great way for you to just meet other people, other nerds, as I like to say, in this area. And that, and that's the that's the key is like minded people. Connecting with like minded people is always a good time. So, yeah, um, you can find out more information at ancientmysteriesonearth.com. And uh, yeah, thanks for the thanks for the plug there.
0: (laughs) Oh, you bet. I know. (laughs) Can't wait to see you there. there. I'll be there. I'm not. I have nothing ancient to share except (laughs) I'm old. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> no well that's fine you know what is more important is that uh yeah, as a musician like you that's what i mean musicians have an interesting perspective on these ancient sites where a brand new discipline called archaeoacoustics like we were talking about at the beginning right, of this, yes. this episode that is sound that is vibration that is what music musicians are trained to be aware of and when you go into this area and also if you go into these sites on a physical level with the perspective of a musician, it's actually a really beautiful way to experience these places. So right. even if Isn't you it you know, like so you would go into these places with a different perspective, you'd have a pretty awesome time, I think, at some of these, because you'd probably I'd probably find Bill in the corner thumping his chest, making yeah, vibrations, yeah. <laughs> bouncing off the walls of what I was doing in Egypt, FYI. Right. You know, and these, these little nooks and crannies, seeing like, ooh, what are the acoustic properties of over here, you know?
0: <laughs> yes, yes. And and why not, right? Because there's a whole slice of human beings who experience the world uh, without sight. Yeah, And and I think that part of the, well, I know this for a fact, and this is third, secondhand because it's a story that's told by poet David White about he visited a temple that they had to hike way up into the mountains of Tibet to visit, but it's totally dark. And the idea is that you enter this this space in complete darkness, and then the guide lights a match or candles or something. They had torches, they had torches, they could just like turn on the flashlights, but they had to go in in the dark. And the idea of, of sensory deprivation, I think, is the right word for it, right? Yeah. To be suddenly then at a moment that is important at a ritual moment to be surrounded by a space visually um is is hugely impactful it, it must be just amazing for someone who's been blind all their life to finally see right yeah and i know you experience this the way that i do where you go into a new space for the first time and then it becomes silent and then a, a sound is made music is made whatever maybe you're going to a concert and You've never been in this particular concert hall before, and then the music begins. and the the nature of the space in which we worship sound is just as important as the sound that is made in that space. you know
1: uh, what someone I forget who says geometry is or architecture is frozen music.
0: oh, that's beautiful,
1: yeah, right? So it's really just the the it's geometry is the result of frequency vibrating in the physical. Um, And so is architecture is like the art form of freezing music into a physical shape. And that's really how the ancients built with that mentality. They weren't building to make something based out of ego, something based out of cutting your budgets down to make an extra little profit on the uh, corner lot, you know, condo development. No, 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 no. They were building with a very different intention and it was to enhance and manipulate frequency in so many ways that we can't imagine that are physical, mental, uh, emotional, spiritual, extra dimensional. Uh, I think they could do so many things with just, tweaking the shape of a physical building would be just as important as the frequencies emitting inside that building. They're all connected. They're all equally, I think, important, like you're saying. So
0: talk about yeah, an man. interdisciplinary, you know, function, you would have, you'd have <laughs> acousticians and architects, right. And, uh, like designing a new concert hall, the way we do these days.
1: I heard that the ancient Egyptians had these healing chambers that were a granite uh, slab of, of like, uh, like a big uh like a table essentially that you would lie down on and your operator doctor person would be in another room and there's these two granite slabs uh, rectangular that just would be the surface area for the palms of your hands to rest on they put both their hands on these and they would feel from the frequencies of these panels that were linked into the table that their uh, patient was on somehow and they would then do i don't know mental consciousness uh type of healing or uh, frequency based or i don't know what but they're using this uh almost communication from the granite probably the quartz uh crystal quartz in that granite probably had properties that helped with this and they would basically heal their patients yeah. in this way with, with what looked like with what looked like no tools yeah. no nothing or maybe they were and we we're just we lost i don't know but you hear these um these stories but also like different places that they found where like that is a a theory as to how they used to do a lot of their healing um, therapy. So who, yeah, like it's just, it's basically a whole other entire different reality and a different way of living is living with the idea of sound being at the form of everything, you know, right. In the Bible, God said, let there be light. The sound came before light sound came before everything. So if we look at it with that perspective, you Everything changes. You build in a different way. You speak in a different way. You move your body and everything changes. You eat in a different way, you know?
0: (laughs) Yes. it's Bringing our attention to the sounds around us is so beautiful. Anyone who's trying to uh, become a better listener, you can teach yourself how to do that by listening to music you haven't heard yet. Like pick something you haven't heard and then bring a reverence to it and really begin to teach yourself to get out of your way and allow the sound to be the thing that guides you, not your ideas about the sound, not your opinion of the sound, but the sound itself. You know, and, and with a little practice, you come to a place where you can actually sit in a conversation with someone else and hear things, and not just the words, right? I know there's neuro-linguistic programming, people like to talk about that, right? But there's, there's a timbre in the voice. And as you become accustomed to listening for those things, you will experience the sound of someone even that you know very well in a completely different way and with a new kind of depth and understanding that you wouldn't have otherwise. And it just takes a little practice, right? Well, first of all, you have to shut up. And that's really hard for me.
1: <laughs> what? what was that? Two guys that like to do podcasts, shutting up. Are you serious? Yes,
0: yeah, so that moment of silence for our podcast. <laughs> but, but it's a, it's a fantastic discipline, and I'm saying it's a discipline because you, you you can discipline yourself to do this, and once you do, mm-hmm. it it changes how you hear. Uh, it won't improve your hearing if you have a hearing loss from tinnitus or whatever. Uh, that won't change, but it will improve your uh, your understanding. I guess is a good way of saying it of what yeah. the other person is saying you know
1: uh... reminds me of telepathy uh one of the key cores of telepathy is it's an emotional form of a communication so that's what they say is you you have no more secrets when you get into the, the world of telepathy and that's what these extraterrestrials all speak the universal language of telepathy why would i even bother learning your language when i could just send you my thoughts you know yeah and yeah. my feelings because it's a very uh, from the uh fbi cia uh, X um Uh, agents that have come out and are teaching uh, telepathy, remote viewing, things like that, which actually is a thing. You can totally learn these things now. Yep. Um, Men who stare
0: at goats, right? Great movie, George Clooney.
1: Yep. They go into it there. I mean, Stranger Things, uh, Things. but it's all based off of experiments done in that area. Uh, So it's been around a long time. And one of the things they really harp on is that it is this, it's a full scale communication so you're not just communicating a thought or an idea you're communicating the emotion behind it and that's that that emotion is almost like the vehicle that allows that whole all the information to to then be absorbed and so they say when you're communicating with extraterrestrials apparently you got to really you have to really clear your mind and also um, speak through your heart Uh, they're very adamant about speaking through your heart otherwise it's almost like they won't even bother listening to you because it's going to be so clouded in an array of uh, contradicting and dissonant emotions and uh, it might freak them out or something like that but if you communicate through your heart you'll have a much clearer um, communication and uh, yeah it's it's absolutely incredible what uh, what we can do with just our emotions and our thoughts and uh, and uh, one, this is, a, you got me into it. This is, I blame you, Bill, for t- bringing up extraterrestrials. It's your fault. I'll take it. My favorite subjects. How dare yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> there's perfect. a really, there's a really interesting protocol that Dr. Stephen Greer developed a long time ago called the close encounters of the fifth kind CE five. And it's a whole meditation um, protocol that you can do these meditations with a group of people. It's more powerful, the more people you have. Um, we we have experiments proving that the more people meditating, it, it's a compound uh, effect. It's really incredible. Yeah, and um, you get a group of people. They have an app, the CE5 app. You can download. I, I did that, and you can find people in your actual area that you can message each other in the meetup and form a group to go. Basically, have a contact experience, and what you're you're not doing anything on a physical level too much. What you're mostly doing is these meditations, and they're all heart based meditations and you're sending out a signal through the quantum entangled universe through meditation to these beings and they will if they want to respond and receive and they will only respond to messages that are coming from the heart otherwise you know what's the point yeah. you know the they don't point, want to right? respond to it well they they have their their, their um that would be dangerous for them in, in a lot of different ways too right it's not coming from their heart i don't really trust it so Just check that out we went into a little tangent here but it it all comes back to consciousness all comes back to frequency all comes back to those beautiful things and uh on a on a plugging note here i actually was i just genuinely want to know bill when is your next um your next conference online conference for the psilocybin uh, psychedelic conferences because those are fantastic
0: yeah we've been doing this virtual psychedelic press conference vppc because i'm an acronym guy and that's a mouthful to say. But anyway, it's, it, they happen on Tuesdays. And by the time this airs, this podcast airs, uh, who knows what will be happening. But check that out. You can always find that at the Musimorphic Patreon site. So if you're on Patreon, look for Musimorphic, and you can get information on the VPPC and who's speaking. Um, for what it's worth, we're doing one tomorrow on a, um, a church where the lead minister helps people with psilocybin and MDMA together. So this awesome. combination is great for high resistance type A people who don't want to let go because the M- MDMA will like bust out. That was me. <laughs> it, right? So um, it, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's been a, um, a real labor of love. But on the other side of that, I think we need to have a conversation about these things. And a lot of our fascination since the Enlightenment people, hello, it's been a few hundred years now. Uh, we just look for somebody who's an expert to give us the information and then we you know digest that on our own. but as great as the enlightenment was, it was pretty bad on this whole heart stuff that Chris and I have been talking about. And psychedelics are primarily a, a relationship and communion kind of thing. They're not about knowledge. If you get a download while you're on psychedelics, it's probably a relationship download. It's about something that's connecting you to other people, human beings or, or whatever. It's something that is a, you know, it's it's not just information, right? If you're getting information, you know keep looking <laughs> right because our our challenge is and you said it chris our challenge right here is to come back to the heart and to learn yeah. to communicate from the heart rather than the head thank you enlightenment given us a lot of great ideas but we really have to we've got to deepen you know and being able to have a question and answer format about psychedelics is one way where we build a relationship around psychedelics you know yeah. and if you're looking for a guide, it's a great place to come here, the expert, ask questions, see if you want to go any further than that. If you are a guide or if someone who's involved in the psychedelic industry and want to present, that's fantastic, too, because we need to talk to scientists. We need to talk to researchers. We need to talk to marketers. We need to talk to you know, average people who've had an incredible experience and and learn from each other right? as we go down this road. Very similar road uh, to opening the heart that music is also uh, aligned with not on the same road but aligned with music is about opening the heart right 100 so um these are uh, no mistake that this is happening to us at this particular moment in our civilized history
1: no uh, no mistake at no all mistake
0: at all not and at all. uh what, what you know dude that we get to sit down and talk about this you know every other week or so we get to have these conversations Hopefully these will spark other people to have the same kinds of conversations, you know, around their campfire, or wherever they're doing it, and go a little bit beyond the knowledge and a little bit deeper into the relationship, you know, mm. of what it's like to be human, bringing whatever you are as a human being to the conversation and, and okay. allowing it to be, you know, allowing it to be.
1: Yeah, whatever it's meant to be. And what on earth is it to be human?
0: <laughs> oh, man. Anybody got an answer for Ooh, that? What,
1: what am I? <laughs> yeah.
0: What am I? Why, who am I? Why am I here? Uh, well, the Stockdale yeah. Paradox.
1: <laughs> yeah, N- next, next episode.
0: <laughs> next episode. Stay tuned, right? Or standing around navel gazing. Oh my or God. sitting around navel gazing. I know we're running long here, but you know what? Um, what an incredible opportunity to take the conversation a little bit further. And I just want to say to anybody who's listening to this, if you've got some ideas, throw them our way. We'd love to sort of in, expand the circle here around this, these notions of, of consciousness, of course, healing, and music, of course, because that's what we both do.
1: Yeah, 100%. So uh, let us know. Uh, you can, of course, message us in the show notes. Um, if you want to learn more about what uh, Bill's been up to in this conference, psychedelic conference, or any of his work, uh, of course, just uh, feel free to reach out to him at the end of the day. And it's the same with me. Uh, we've got our links but also we're happy just to hear from you if you want to send us an email please go for it and uh, yeah let us know what you want to hear and we would love to tackle that in a future episode so thank you so much for watching thank you for being beautiful human and if you're not human you're also welcome extraterrestrials are welcome welcome. (laughs) all beings are welcome to this podcast of uh, discussions of music healing and consciousness and it's so good to chat with you every other uh, week bill i really appreciate it
0: Oh my gosh, yes. And let's let's join together in sending uh, a lot of healing and compassion to our friends in Syria and Turkey right now. Mm, absolutely. Who are dealing with the aftermath of this crazy earthquake that actually hit some ancient stuff. Uh, which That's a Mecca.
1: It's a, Syria is one of the most important archaeological uh, places and it's been one of the most war-torn uh, for a long, long time. Same with Iraq, Afghanistan. Those are some of the most important places for human history. Uh, and of course, wonderful, beautiful humans currently around too that um, obviously, yeah, yeah, we'll use our good vibrations. So let's send them out and uh, much love to everyone listening. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Yes. Thank you all. Thank you for listening in on our conversation and for taking time to show your appreciation with a like, share, or subscribe. Discussions of music, healing, and consciousness is a practice of spontaneity and we welcome your comments, ideas, and questions. There are ways to connect with us in the show notes, so let us hear from you. Until next time, this is Bill Protzman along with Chris Noble wishing you great musical health. Samara Huchaya.